0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey? Here we go. Drop that puck. 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 Take a seat, because you've just been sent to the sin bin with your host. Recently returning from his forced deportation to Canada and that country's subsequent refusal to accept him, Paul Rogers. Drop that Drop that Drop
2: that Drop
3: that All right, everyone. this is uh, Seattle Sinbin. Once again, this is episode three of our second season. And uh Otto, are you with me? Can you hear me now? Uh we seem to be having some technical difficulties with Otto and so we we'll get we'll get back to him in a minute. And uh, we've got a good show for you today. Um and uh first thing I wanna I wanna play for you is we have the first episode Uh, for this season of Hockey Talk by National Public Radio. So let's go ahead and check this out.
2: And that's how three adorable baby goats cleaned up a two-story trash heap next to I-5 in Seattle. Next, it's Hockey Talk on NPR. The time is 4 o'clock. National Public Radio on WEPC, and it's time for Hockey Talk. I'm your host, David Anthony Suzuki-Jones, and today I'm joined by my NPR colleague and rabid Blackhawks fan, Tiffany Bambera-Woodcock.
0: Thank you for having me on the show again. It's great to be here.
2: Let's begin by discussing the Western Conference. In your opinion, who are the best two teams in each conference and why?
0: Well, my fandom notwithstanding, the Blackhawks are still the team to beat. They have the best core in hockey and a terrific goaltender in Corey Crawford. You also have to like the Anaheim Ducks. They've got great center depth and a ton of young defensemen. In the East, the Capitals and Rangers are the class of that conference that don't count out Tampa Bay.
2: Ah, yes. Can't count out the mighty Ning. At least, that's what I hear the kids calling them these days.
0: I asked my son the other day about catching the Ning when they came to town. He said he'd go with me to the game if I take him to a rock concert. I think he said the band's name was Mastodon, you know, like a wooly mammoth. So I said, well, hopefully you don't think I'm too much of a Mastodon to go to this show with you.
2: I don't follow you. I can't wait to hear how that mother-son outing goes, though. Any band that uses Latin in their band name, like Mastodon. Sounds like that is intelligent thinking man's music. Like Cat Stevens. Or Pete Seeger.
0: I know. I'm so proud of my son for inviting me to come accompany him to see this group.
4: Oh,
2: I'm getting a message from our producer. He says he has a snippet of Mastodon for us to hear on air so our listeners can get an idea of these musical archaeologists?
0: Oh, yes, please. Let's hear it. <laughs> I think my ears are cleaned out now. <laughs> Not
2: to pick on your son's musical taste, but that song should come with a trigger warning. <laughs> that audio beating <laughs> reminds me of a rather unfortunate incident when I was bullied once in mm-hmm. my ninth grade locker room. <laughs> the bullies made me jump down and then applied as an icy hot
0: to my private parts. <laughs> oh. oh, that sounds exciting. Exceedingly painful.
2: Not as painful as listening to that band.
0: Thanks for that tip from our producer. Moving on, David, let's discuss the NHL's recent decision not to vote on expansion this December.
2: It's a bit puzzling. In the summer of 2015, Expansion bids were accepted from Las Vegas and Quebec City. Many observers expected a bid from Seattle, but in the end, no group from the Emerald City put forth a bid. The league could be waiting to see if Seattle gets its act together with regards to building a new arena, or they could just be slowing their timetable down. It remains to be seen when expansion will be voted upon, and whether or not one or two teams would be involved. And, of course, the question of what will happen with the Phoenix Coyotes, who are currently on shaky ground with their host city.
0: Some curious developments in an ever-changing story. Thank you for the update. And speaking of unsatisfying conclusions, it's time for a word from our sponsor, Viagra. Hockey fans, do you suffer from ED? Is your front line limping to a weak conclusion? Is your lack of performance in the bedroom putting your relationship in the penalty box leading to depression and anxiety? Talk to your doctor about Viagra and get your power play started. Viagra, the little blue pill with big results. After the break, we'll go over last night's results and talk about Maple Leafs coach Mike Babcock, who was named coach of Team Canada for the 2016 World Cup of Hockey. This is Hockey Talk on National Public Radio.
2: The time is
0: 4.20. What you gonna do when the people go home And you wanna smoke weed but the reefers all gone And somebody has the nerve to take the herb Out of the doobie and train why they do me that?
5: Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating
1: world of pro hockey, here we go. Drop that puck! 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 puck. Take a seat, because you've just been sent to the sin bin, with your host, recently returned from his forced deportation to Canada and that country's subsequent refusal to accept him, Paul Rogers! Drop
4: that pop! Drop that pop! Drop
6: that pop! Seattle! Alright, let's show them what we got, guys. Okay. All right. yeah. Get out there in the ice and let them
3: know you're there. Alright, welcome back to Seattle Sinbin, uh, Season 2, Episode 3. Otto, are you now with me? I am now
6: with you. We had some technical difficulties, but uh, I found my way back.
3: All right, cool. Um, I'm, at the moment, still trying to recover from uh, the latest episode of National <laughs> of Hockey <laughs> Talk on National Public Radio. Uh, you know, I how cool would it be if we could actually get Viagra as a sponsor for this show? I mean, I don't know how NPR does it, but I'm guessing they get quite a bit of money for that.
6: Um, well,
3: you know,
6: and I'm, Paul. I'm guessing probably about ninety percent of our audience is men. So I mean, we, we might we might <clears> be the right demographic. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. But you know, we're you know going up against NPR. You know, that's pretty stiff competition. It definitely is. But uh, yeah. Um, and so, all right. This this show has already gone practically off the wheels, so or off the rails. So, <laughs> let's try and get back on there. Um, uh, so, Otto, um, we are a little bit about the show tonight. Um, we have Brandon Rivers that's going to be coming on in a little bit. And for those that don't know, Brandon is our beat writer for the Portland Winterhawks, and uh, he's going to going to come on and talk to us for a little bit. Actually, I think I see him on, I think he just dialed in, so we'll, we'll cut to him in just a second. And so we're going to talk to Brandon a little bit about the Winterhawks and other things going on in, in the world of hockey. And uh, later in the show, uh, we're going to talk to Tim Pagolsky of uh, MyNorthwest.com. I, I pre-recorded an interview with him on Sunday, and we're going to talk about the Thunderbirds, we're going to talk about the WHL in general, um, and all kinds of good stuff. Um, but right now, uh, I'm going to welcome to our show for the first time uh, Mr. Brandon Rivers. Brandon, are you there?
5: Yeah, I'm here. Thanks for
3: having me. All right. It's good to have you on. And so um, I think most people that follow our show know by now that we have dramatically expanded our our coverage of hockey in the Northwest this season. Uh, last year, we focused almost completely on the effort to bring the nhl to seattle and while we're still you know uh working on that and we're still covering that we decided you know while we're waiting we might as well go ahead and develop our our coverage of the great hockey that's already in the pacific northwest in the form of the whl uh in the form of of the washington huskies uh and a few other things going on um but brandon you have been You've been a blogger for a while, and you've been blogging about the Winterhawks for a while. Uh, tell us a little bit about your hockey background. How did you get into the sport? Uh, how did you get into blogging about it? And and what is it about hockey that you, that you find so great?
5: Okay, uh, yeah, I was about four years old, so back about 1988, um, when I attended my first uh, WHL game in the form of the Portland Winterhawks at the uh, Veterans Memorial Coliseum there. And, I don't know, I loved it from first game uh my brothers would take me they're quite a bit older than me and they would take me uh pretty often to games and i i was pretty obsessed from a young age uh with the Winterhawks. i got to see um some you know bad teams in the early 90s some uh some fantastic teams in the late 90s including the the one that won the memorial cup in uh, 98 and just getting to see uh i mean hockey in general i love but uh junior hockey getting to see you know the kids develop uh somebody like nick patan recently who I, he might have had like 10 points when he was 16 and i think he uh, led the league in scoring as a 17 year old just seeing the development of somebody like that it, there's there's nothing uh, nothing better i mean the pro game is great and it's, it's a whole lot faster but it's not uh it's not junior hockey and i've, I've uh followed the winterhawks like uh as you can tell for a long time. Uh and about I don't know so about four years ago, uh I was kinda complaining to my wife about the, the lack of, of good coverage of the Winterhawks and the WHL in general and she said, Why don't you do something about it? <laughs> I didn't really have a hobby yeah. at the time and, and I thought, Hey, well, good point. <laughs> she yeah, I don't know I don't yeah. know. I think she uh, bit off more than she could chew with how much time I spent on <laughs> but but yeah, she uh <laughs> She kind of pushed me towards it, and the community, uh, the aspect I love. I love going to uh, visiting arenas in Seattle and Everett and getting to know the fans there and, uh, you know, the the community that's kind of risen up around Portland, some of the other guys that do some, uh, you know, uh, some blogging and podcasting, uh, you know, talking with them a little bit, getting to talk to the beat writers a little bit. I just I I love it. Um, Yeah you know and i just want to continue doing it as much as i can and and i and i thank you guys for giving uh you know the SB nation stamp of approval on uh on the, the whl in this area because it was there was a big gap in, in, in the coverage uh
3: and yeah and you
5: know you, know, you guys there, have stepped in uh, we
3: were, we really we really hope that someday we're going to uh be able to have our own SB nation blog as well uh right now we're hosted by sonics rising which is a basketball blog of course Uh, and and they're gracious enough to host it. We're we're really hoping to build it into our own blog, our own identity. Uh, And, and Brandon, in addition to writing for us, you still write for your own blog. Uh, Where can people find that blog?
5: And that's going to be uh, hodgesheroes.blogspot.com. I do every game recap uh, for each game. I do uh, notes on each uh, game, just kind of things that jumped out to me and then i keep stats uh as well uh in the form of like uh individual shots um face off um percentage like winning percentage uh checks mm-hmm. and uh block shots as well as much as i can a lot of the times it's off video feed sometimes when i'm in person i can do those things a whole lot better uh last year i did a lot of time on ice as well which is is something that if somebody had a good system for somebody in each building able to do time on ice uh right th- there's a there's a market there for that uh, it's just unfortunate that it takes me so long to do it that I haven't been able to do as much this year but uh yeah i keep you know i, I do that for each game uh and then i do a weekly write up for you guys but uh in the in the future i'd like to to get the two together in some way but
3: uh for now it's, it's
5: well kinda you what know I've been doing it yeah a, maybe yeah.
3: Yeah, maybe when uh, maybe someday when we're able to spin off on our own, it'll be more practical yeah. to do that, and we'll have more resources at our disposal, and we can, then we can do things like that. Did you say that the first game you went to was in 1988? It was, yeah. Days of Eric Dad's um, gone and uh, go, go yeah, on. Yeah, it's it's odd that you say that because the very first game hockey game I ever went to was in 1988, and it was a winter hockey <laughs> game, and Is I didn't really? really become a fan. I didn't really become a fan of hockey until just the last couple of years, but uh, I was going to George Fox college down there and it was my freshman year and we had an outing uh, where we took girls and uh, went to, went to the hockey game. <laughs> and I remember there was a huge brawl that night and uh, I was actually a little put off by it. And now, you know, now I kind of, uh, kind of enjoy that a little bit, but at the time, you know, it was, it was a new experience for me and I wasn't really prepared for it, but, uh, maybe we were there at the same game, the first one. Possibly,
5: <laughs> a, a four-year-old Brandon was wandering around in his in his little Winterhawks jersey.
3: <laughs> oh, and you know, it, it's funny because as we were leaving the stadium, uh, a man was holding his son's hand. He looked like he was about four, and he said, "Wasn't that a great fight, son? That wasn't your dad, was it?" Oh no, it, my my brothers are the ones that took me. So yeah, that that wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> oh dang it, that would have been cool. That would have been cool. Otto, yeah, you guys have some questions for great. Brandon, don't you? Otto, you have, you, you have some questions for Brandon?
6: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, hey, Brandon, how's, uh, how's it going? Fantastic. How are you, Otto? Doing great. Nice to finally talk to you over the phone. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> In person, so, one you of you these know, days. A, you know, can you give me kind of just a quick uh, snap, snap snapshot of the season. I know you guys kinda of had a slow start to the season, then you guys kinda of ran off a a really long good streak and and then last last couple of games you had a couple of losses. Can you just kinda of give a quick overview uh, on the season uh, so far for the winner off?
5: I think uh, my my general feel on the the Hawks team this year is it's kind of a, a team in transition. It doesn't quite know what its identity is. Uh I don't know if you guys watched the team back when Mike Johnston was the coach slash general manager. It was a lot of, uh, you know, puck rushing defensemen and uh, a lot of, a lot of offense, a lot of very skilled forwards, possession style game. Uh, And then under Jamie Compon last year, he kind of kept that going a little bit, but in the, when the playoffs rolled around and especially when they ran into a team like uh, the Corona Rockets last year with the very talented Leon Dreisaitl and and uh Josh Morrissey and those guys they kind of played a more um defensive style system, committing to blocking shots and you know uh trying to take away the the passes through right across the the neutral zone and and the long passes and that so I mean kind of changing the style a little bit and that and that worked a lot to their favor but this year it kinda it to me they don't really know quite which way they want to go. Uh, they brought in two 19-year-old defensemen, uh, NHL-drafted 19-year-old defensemen, and Jack Doherty uh, out of the University of Wisconsin brought him over. I think uh, University of Wisconsin won like one game last year, and and uh, Nashville signed him. And since Nashville signed him, uh, they c- he can't uh, go back to NCAA, so he came over near Portland because Portland had his rights. Um, so they had him, a very stay-at-home uh, defenseman, but he still has a pretty good shot from the point there. And they brought in Caleb Jones, the younger brother of Seth Jones, who was uh, I think the number four overall pick in the NHL draft a few years ago. Uh, took the help take the Winterhawks all the way to the Memorial Cup final against Halifax a few year, or a couple years ago. Uh, brought those two guys in, and then of course have Aiden Hill, who stood on his head in the playoffs last year, and and uh, you know continues to do a lot of the same this year. But so I mean they had a, so they had a ton of talent and most of the talent in the previous years had been up front, and they kind of pieced together a, a good def- defense uh, with a couple good guys here and there or a couple uh, NHL caliber guys here and there. But this year I mean, most of the talent was on the back end. So to me they kind of you know it's played a more defensive style. Uh, maybe that's a little more true to their nature this year. Uh, playing five games against Everett, that like Everett kind of forces you into a little more of a not trap style, but just more of a defensive style. So oh, right. uh, they did that, and then they uh, they uh, picked up Rehard's Bukarts from from uh, Brandon in a trade, uh, a very talented uh, Latvian uh, overage player who kind of looked to me like a, a lot of the, you know, maybe the guy that they were missing and, and uh, some creative uh, force up there in the forward. And then they uh, played to Kelowna down here in Portland, and, Uh, lose 5-4 and 8-5 in back-to-back games and, you know, give up 13 goals in two games, uh, more than they had, I think, in the previous combined. So a lot of defensive breakdowns. So, like I said uh, before, team in transition, what is their identity? Are they uh, uh, Everett-style, trap-style team or – you know, where they get breakouts here and there, but rely upon their defense and goaltending? Are they uh, a skilled forward team with, uh, you know, guys like Rehards-Bukarts up front? Uh, And they have him playing next to Rodrigo Ables, um, another Latvian guy. And Paul Bittner, a signed uh, Columbus Blue Jackets draft pick. Um, You know, a couple talented. I mean, their top six is very talented. They also have Dominic Turgeon centering a line between uh, uh, Dominic Turgeon, who was signed and drafted by Detroit, uh, uh, playing alongside uh, Alex Shaneborn, who was drafted from San Jose, and Keegan Iverson, drafted by New York Rangers. So a lot of drafted guys, a lot of very skilled guys. But but what are they? Are you know, like I said, are they defensive style? Are they offensive? And that's where I mean, teams like this, uh, they're going to find their way at some point. And I think there's right. just too much talent for them not to make a playoff run of some type. How deep? Well, we will see, I guess, but, uh, very talented. I, I, I could see them putting everything together. Um, Seattle is kind of the team that worries me in the U S division, but beyond that, I, I don't see Portland below, uh, talent wise, at least below right. any other team in the U S. Right. Well,
6: uh, now you, you mentioned a couple of players that I wanted to ask you about, um, Aiden Hill. He, he, he won the goaltender of the month in the WHL. Um, how is is Portland a team that will go as far as Aiden Hill goes, or um, you mentioned you guys had a lot, you guys have a lot of talent up front. If Aiden Hill falters, will do you think Portland would be able to kind of pick up the slack offensively?
5: I think uh, Aiden Hill is like like you said, they're going to go as far as he carries them. Now, can they get the pivotal goals here and there from from their talented forwards? Yes, I, I think those guys are there. But I think so far this year, uh, even after that that uh, 13 goal weekend, he still has a 2.60 goals against average and a, a 926 save percentage, some of the tops in the league. Um, but I mean, th- those forwards they have up front aren't doing enough right now. Uh, to I mean, not as much, not as not as much as they should. Dominant. There's no Winterhawk right now in the top 38 in WHL scoring. And I haven't been able to say something like that for years.
4: <laughs> so right. these guys
5: need to need to start performing. I mean, Turgeon had a six-game goal streak recently that, you know, not coincidentally uh, coincided with that uh, win streak they had, the five-game win streak they had. Um, and he has 15 points in his last 10 games. But, uh, they, they, like you said, the talent is there. Paul Bittner hasn't done enough yet. He's played right. pretty well defensively, but – Uh, Winterhawk fans are used to seeing him put the puck in the net a little more. Granted, uh, when you take into consideration that he was playing with guys like like Nick Patan and Oliver Bjorkstrand and and Brennan Leipzig in the past on the Hawks' top line, you take those guys away from somebody like Bittner, and he can create on his own, but it's not necessarily his game. He's not an Oliver Bjorkstrand, you know, (laughs) WHL player of the year last year, that can kind of, oh, the team's not providing offensively. Let me just drive into the zone, dance around three guys, and score. Bitter has moments where he he can you know, he can get around a defender and get alone in alone on a goalie, but it's it's he's not gonna be at that level. So how uh how well that line of Rodrigo Abels and Rehard Buchartz and him plays could see how well Portland does this year. Like I look for that line. There's just too much talent there for that not to start clicking. Buchart seemed kinda of tentative in his first game over the weekend against Kelowna. I don't think he had a single shot on goal. Uh he had a goal, uh, granted it was towards the end of the game against Kelowna on uh Saturday, his second game. Uh but definitely seemed to put the puck on the net a little more and that line uh with Ables, who's six five and Bittner who's six four. Uh Talented, I mean, very skilled guys, uh, very good puck handlers, but they need someone like Rehard Bukarts to kind of get the puck flowing towards the net a little bit more. Uh, one thing I've noticed from Portland this year, uh, especially in that top six, is they're trying to do, they're trying to be too pretty, trying to, right. trying to create the perfect shot rather than just get it on net and get to a rebound. I mean, so many big guys up front. Um, they're they going to get to one of those rebounds, and they didn't do enough of that. And on the flip side, their defense didn't do a good enough job over the, on the weekend, especially, of keeping the Kelowna players away from the net when the you know when there's a loose puck right in the uh, <clears throat> right in the. Um. So I, I guess you know the the question going
6: forward is you you feel and I think you've already mentioned that Brandon you feel that Seattle and Portland are kind of the two of the at the top for the U.S. division.
5: Uh, talent-wise, yes. Uh, Portland, as I mentioned, they have a lot of questions. Seattle's—I haven't seen enough of them to, to remark too much on them. A uh, ton of talent up front, but how how good is their defense and goaltending? Uh, that's the big question um, overall for them. So, but as far as talent-wise, yeah, the Seattle and Portland—I I see them above the fray. But Everett is a team that can take. Any team and make make them play their game, and I, I think Everett's had like five or six straight one goal games. Like mm-hmm. they're they're going to always be close. They're not going to have the offense to pull away from you, but you're just not going to pull away from them very often. They're going to block right. shots. They're they're going to they're going to clog the the passing lanes for you, and no easy chances. And when you do get a good chance, they got a guy like Carter Hart back there just to, you know to stand on his head.
6: Yeah, no, definitely he, Carter Hart's definitely one of the Best goaltenders in the WHL.
5: Yeah, at seventeen, that's that's impressive. That is very impressive. Well, Brandon,
6: I, that's uh, that's all the questions I had. Thanks for uh, uh, taking the time to uh,
3: kind of for doing this, and I'm gonna hand it back over to Paul. All right, thanks, Otto. Hey, Brandon. Uh, yesterday, you published an article on our site about the WHL versus Russia Super Game. Can you tell us a little bit about that game? What what's the purpose of it? Uh, what does it do for the WHL players that, that make it into the game? Uh what what's the gist of that of that series?
5: So uh initially called the Subway super series, uh they lost the Subway sponsorship <clears throat> this year. Uh I won't delve into some of the mistakes that Subway has made in PR recently, but uh right. <laughs> I think this could be another one. I mean it was a it was a good uh, outlet for them. I don't know if the WHL, you know, pushed Subway out or Subway pulled out. But, uh, yeah, it was initially the Subway Super Series. And it's really a way for Hockey Canada to scout players for uh, the World Junior Championships this December and January. Uh, This year it's in Helsinki, Finland. Uh, World Juniors is huge in Canada. Uh, I was up there in Canada one time, not at the World Juniors, but just in the country, and it was on pretty much every news station was talking about World Juniors. It's, It's the equivalent of... Uh, march madness down in the states for how how important it is uh for Canada. So when i mean so highly highly criticized any any move that they make the goaltenders are under a lot of criticism and things like that. But uh yeah, so it's uh, WHL um serving or the CHL in general, they they host the uh, Russian Select team um put together to come across to Canada. And play two games against the Western Hockey League, two games against the Ontario Hockey League, and of course two games against the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And then they take the points or the uh, the record, the head-to-head record, and they say which side won or lost. I mean, is it is it that important as far as the uh, the outcome? I mean, not necessarily. I don't think there's really any hardware for it, um, but it's a it's a great sure. way to impress. Hockey Canada, considering the Hockey Canada coaches are, you know, are the ones coaching you. So a guy like Dave Lowry, who right. is uh victorious coach, the head coach, I believe for Hockey Canada at World Juniors this year, but also the team WHL coach, he can see these guys practice and he can see them in a, a game up front while he's coaching them to help determine which WHL guys he should recommend. To go, uh, a couple years ago, Taylor Lear uh, for Portland Winterhawks, a more defensive-style forward, uh, just stu- I mean, played amazing in the uh, Subway Super Series. I sh- scored a, a pretty shorthanded goal, and that en- was enough. And uh, I'm sure his camp uh, development camp in December was enough for him to actually make Hockey Canada. Something I would not have predicted to, be- to begin the year. So it's a way to kind of get the coaches' notice and get included on the, uh, the World Juniors team for Hockey Canada. The U.S. Uh, kind of doesn't really have their own version of it. They just have a a camp in December, um, but the you know the the U.S. Uh, isn't running the
3: uh, Canadian Hockey right. League. Canada is, so they get, they get this. <laughs> right, um, and, and if you're looking at uh, players that would would qualify, for, where, where's the eventual junior tournament? Is it? Would you said Helsinki, Helsinki, Finland? Yeah.
5: Right, the guys looking um, to make. So most uh, most yeah. of the
3: players, most of the players that that would be qualified to play that, most of them are going to be from Canada anyway, right?
5: Well, no, each each country has a team. So the uh, Canada has a team, U.S. has a team, uh, Sweden, Finland, Czech Republic. They, it's right. just the this series is just mainly for Canadian players. So they advertise right. it as kind of a, a WHL select team, but it's really not. I mean, if you're not from Canada, you're not going to be invited to to represent Team WHL at this series. Okay. Um, so, I wonder what, uh, the, I wonder US what the U.S. has their own selection. Either. Uh, you it, know, it, I mean, they US have the they U.S. hockey. Yeah, they have the U.S. Hockey League. They do have like the the draft uh, All Americans prospect game that they put on. Uh, I think this year it might have been in Buffalo, where they have the top American prospects for that year's um, draft. This this coming draft. Uh, I believe Evan Sarthau from Tri, from Black Diamond, Washington, in plays place for Tri-Cities, he was over there and he right. played really well. It's a way to impress scouts. But, again, okay. I, I mean, not only is Hockey Canada scouting, you probably have every every NHL team represented in scouts <laughs> in there as well because a lot of these guys yeah. are, are draft eligible. Yeah, definitely.
7: So, yeah, they invited, invited somebody
5: like Carter Hart, uh, you know, uh, maybe not – going to make the team this year for hockey canada but I way for nhl scouts to take a look at him too
3: gotcha okay brandon well i want to thank you for all the work you're doing for us this season and uh you know we're we're only beginning this thing it's um uh, this is going to be something that grows and grows and grows because i i think you're right there's been a a very uh there, there's been a large shortage of coverage of the whl in general and i think we're filling a need and uh I think it's only going to get better. Um, so I want to thank you for your part, the part you're playing in that, and I want to thank you for coming on tonight. All right. Thanks for having me. All right. Talk to you later, Brandon. All right. Bye. All right. That was Brandon Rivers, our beat writer for the Portland Winterhawks. And so Otto and I are going to take a short break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to talk to Tim Kowalski.
7: Vancouver Canucks Team Store is the only place to get all your authentic Vancouver Canucks merchandise. $22 keychains, $45 t-shirts made in Indonesia, but screen printed in Canada. The Vancouver Canucks Team Store, where the players shop. Because making $5 million a year is the only way you can
5: afford this crap.
4: Michigan the Ferris
1: State University Bulldogs defeat
4: the Michigan State University Spartans 4-1. And the Bulldogs win 8-1 over the Ohio State
7: Bulldogs. Ferris State hockey season tickets are on sale now. Reserve your spot for all 19 home games. It includes two games each versus Michigan, Michigan State,
0: Ohio State, and Notre Dame. $175 for adults, $80 for students. Contact the ticket office at 591-2888 or log on to fairstatebulldogs.com.
5: Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating
1: world of pro hockey, here we go. Drop that puck! 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 Drop that that Take a seat, because you've just been sent to the sin bin with your host, Paul Rogers, who is a... College graduate. You went to Princeton. We're all Eastern, weren't you, Ned? That's what it said in the
2: yearbook, Jim. Uh
3: huh. And as promised, everyone, we now have Mr. Tim Pogolski on the line. Tim, how are you? I'm doing well, Paul. Good to be back. How are you? I'm doing great, doing great. Um, and so for those of you that remember, we talked to Tim last year in our first season, and Tim is a beat writer for the Seattle Thunderbirds on behalf of MyNorthwest.com. Is that still what you're doing, Tim?
7: That's
4: that's
3: still what I'm doing, yep. Okay, cool. All right, before we get into the WHL talk, I know that you're uh, a big-time Chicago Black Sox fan, is that correct?
7: That that is correct. I don't. Uh, yeah. I don't hide my bias there.
3: Right, and so they're off to. It seems like they're off to kind of a uh, kind of a slow start this season. Um, what do you think's going on with your Blackhawks this year? Are they are they just going to have a down year? What do you think's going on?
7: Well, I mean, I, I wish I could watch the Blackhawks a little bit more than I do the Thunderbirds. Unfortunately, occupy a lot of my hockey time, so I haven't been able to watch them as much as I'd like, but. Um, you know, if I if I had to say, I, I'm not I'm not worried. I mean, the, they they have the playoff experience that I think as long as they make the playoffs, um, they have just as mm-hmm. good of a shot as they would any other year. Um, you know, they had a big injury right. on the blue line to Duncan Keith, who plays over 30 minutes a game and is their number one defenseman and, you know, one of the top, I mean, arguably the best defenseman in the league, but I think hard to argue anywhere outside of the top three or four. Um, then they also lost Marion Hossa for a few games. So, so they've dealt with some injuries, and there's, there's some change. They had a lot of change in the off season, So um, there's definitely some things that, that they need to adjust to and get used to. But, I mean, you know, they're, they're seven points out of first place in the Western Conference. Obviously not right. exactly where they'd like to be. Um, technically still in a playoff position, but, I mean, we're, you know, not even a quarter of the way through the season. So I don't worry about it too much. I'll, I'll You know, I'll, I'll start to – get a little bit more into it uh, as the season wears on I'd love to be paying more attention right now if I could but uh the tigers make it a little bit tough to do that but um I'm not I'm not too worried right now I think that uh yeah. I think that'll
3: be just fine. Yeah. And you know I'm guessing that the the off-ice situation with that uh with Patrick Kane uh this year hasn't helped them a whole lot. Uh but it seems like that yeah. one has now been resolved so
7: Yeah, yeah, that was uh Quite the story, and I was, you know, obviously following from the day it happened. I remember I was actually in Chicago. Uh, I was getting ready to go visit Poland with my family, but I was in Chicago before that um, when the news broke and the investigation started, and, you know, it was all this that, you know, Patrick Keynes expected to turn himself in, this and that. And, you know, I mean, here we are a couple months later, and he was never charged with anything at all. And, you know, I kept my, I, as the investigation was going, I wanted to give it a, a due respect and not... uh not really weigh in and I I know that when it comes to Chicago sports I'm a I'm a biased fan, so I just kinda wanted to stay out of it. Um I'm glad to see that he yeah. is off the hook. Um, him personally this season, early in the season, um he's actually, you know, off to one of his the better starts of his career. Um what kind of toll that was taking on the rest of the team, um and I'm sure they're still taking a bit of a toll on him, even if his numbers don't reflect that. Uh you know, it's hard to say what what kind of effect that had. It does seem like it's in the rearview mirror now, though. Um, you know, at least yeah. for the time being. So we'll see. Uh, if anything changes with that, but um, you know, I think that it's. I mean, regardless, as you mentioned, it's just one one more thing to have off their plate, one more thing for for anybody, or, or one less thing for anybody to have to think about. So, um,
3: you know, it can only it
7: can only be beneficial. I would think.
3: Right. Okay. So. Um Moving away from the NHL, let's let's talk about the WHL. And before we before we get to the Thunderbirds, um, it, you know, I'm looking at the the records here uh, in the Eastern Conference. We've got Red Deer with a 13 and six, and uh, Prince Albert following with 12 and five, and so the same with Lethbridge. And in the Western Conference, we've got Victoria at 14 and five, Kelowna at 13 and five, and then Seattle pulling up third place with 10 and six. It doesn't seem like anyone is really dominating so far, does it?
7: Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. It doesn't really seem like any team has come out and really, I mean, you know, there there have been years we've seen teams come out and win, you know, 14 of their first 15 games or, you know, really have that, that really high winning percentage. And I think even last week it looked like some teams were really starting to kind of build that gap between them and, and everybody else. But over the past week things have been kind of crazy, as uh, I'm sure we'll get to with the Thunderbirds. Uh, that they've that have evened, evened it out a little bit. I mean, if one team, if, if before the season you asked me, if any one team was really going to set themselves apart early, then I think you would have said Brandon. Um, and they've, they've had to deal with some, some of their own issues, uh, injuries. I mean, to one of their top players in Magali, they had to deal with uh, the retirement of Ryan Peele on one of their top defensemen, um, pretty close to, to when the season started. So they've had some adjustments to make. Um, I think they're a team that's still, you know, they're still going to come out on top in the East. Um, and, and probably in, in the entire WHL. But, um, you know, having having the competitive, competitiveness and having everybody be really even, uh, I think it's only good for the league. It's fun. It makes every game interesting. And, uh, yeah, I mean, a couple teams have, have fallen behind a little bit, I think, that you would have expected, like, to me. Um, but, yeah, it's uh, it's still a, a pretty even, a pretty tight
3: tight race so far here, about a, a little less than a third of the way through the season. Right. Um, so based on what you've seen so far, are there any teams, uh, I mean, we'll get to the Thunderbirds in a minute, Are besides the Thunderbirds, are there any teams out there that, that you think are poised to make a run or are poised to actually do separate themselves from the rest?
7: Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, back to what I was uh, saying a little bit earlier, Brandon is really the, the team to beat. Um, I think in, in the WHL, it's hard to argue with that um, just on the strength and depth of their roster, their playoff experience from last year, they're, they've just got everything that you, a, a team should want. Um, so they're a team in the East that I think, uh, you know, give it some time, give it a few more weeks. And I think they're going to, everything's going to come together for them. I might tell you that, uh, we were, we were hyping up Brandon quite a bit and they lost back to back games by five goals to Portland and then Seattle. And so everybody is saying, you know, that the overrated and that they're not going to be everything we thought they were, but, um, I don't use two games as a barometer to judge how good that team actually is. So I'd say give it a couple more weeks, and if they're still uh, lagging around third, fourth, fifth place, then maybe I'll change my tune a little bit, but I think that they're uh, going to be a team that separates themselves in the east. Uh, in the west, um, you know, I, I think the T-Birds are going to end up there at the end of the year. Uh, Kelowna is, is obviously still a very strong team, and um, they're in second in the conference. So their team. Uh, those two teams in the west, I think, are going to really battle it out. Um, over in the East. Okay. Too, you also have red deer who's, who's up at the top, but um, they're, they're guaranteed a spot in the Memorial cup. And so they're only, I think going to be looking to, to load up as the trade deadline approaches, you know, I'm sure they'll go all in. And so we'll see them pick up a few more guys as the season goes on. So they're a team in the East that's doing well right now. And I think we'll, we'll
3: likely get better as the season goes on. Right. Okay. Um, and so let's talk about the T-Birds now. Um, They've got a good record right now, but they, it seems like they uh, hit a bit of a speed bump in the last week or so and, and uh, had a little bit of a losing streak. What, what's going on with that team this year?
7: Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it's it's a decent record right now. You know, good, I think most teams would say that, that it'd be a good record that they'd be happy with, but um, it looked a lot better a week ago before they went uh, on their Eastern Conference road swing, and so... Um, a couple of, of tight losses, uh, where they blew leads, that was really tough to to kind of take things off um after they beat Kootene. And then a couple of losses that were a little bit less close against Edmonton and Westbridge. Um, they they got back on the right track, it was like last night against Medicine Hat. They had uh, a couple of good bounces go their way and I think that when you're struggling, a lot of times all that you need to, to right the ship, uh, if you will, is to to get a couple of those lucky bounces. So and we saw two of those last night, two important goals. The first one, I think it was just nine seconds into the game. And then um, another one by Wedman a little bit later that he, he slapped off a defenseman's stick and it somehow got over the goalie's shoulder. And it was like the goalie didn't even see it. So they got, they got a little bit, uh, they, they, they caught a couple of breaks, got a good couple of good bounces last night that I think will help set them on the right track. A four game losing streak is never something that any team wants to experience. A, a loss is never a team never something a team wants to experience, but, um, I didn't get too up in arms about it. Their, their first two games that they lost where they blew the 3-1 lead going into the third period, um, both both looked very similar, where um, Calgary and Red Deer, respectively, scored late goals. Calgary was just with a couple seconds left in the game, but um, they both scored late goals to win it. Um, but both of those games, Seattle was kind of, I think they were kind of having to adjust to missing two of their better Late game defensive high energy players and Scott Enzer and Jamal Watson, who were both injured against Brandon. Um, so, just a couple adjustments. I mean, lots of travel. Just you know, and again, right. it's only it's, it was only two games, so um, not something right. that I'm I'm too crazy about. I've seen a lot of people going crazy online and talking about you know trading this or that veteran or you know selling
3: everything to go
7: and grab a goalie. It's just I mean, it's it's crazy to right. me, but um, you know
3: we don't need to get into that. Right, and so you mentioned Enzer and Watson. What's their status now? Are they are they playing again? Are they back on the ice?
7: Yeah, Watson. Watson is back. He came back a couple nights ago, um, so he's back. And and I think he started off his first game back a little bit slow, um, but he's he's he looks like he's back up to speed now. Against uh, Medicine Hat last night, he was throwing his weight around. There was a situation where uh, there was actually whistle. Um, and he dropped his gloves. He was ready to fight, but uh, referee got in between and pulled him apart. So he looks like he's he's back, feeling comfortable. His was a really scary injury. Um, you know, it was one of those just sort of innocent plays where it looked like his skate got caught in the net or in the goal or, or got caught in something down by the the Brandon net, and he went down and was in a lot of pain. Couldn't put any less or put couldn't put any pressure on his left knee, and so. It's always those situations I think that you know, just kind of the awkward, the awkward bending or awkward right. twisting that that are always the worst. And so um, when you see somebody not so putting any pressure on any, a knee, you think the worst. Uh, we, you was know, we didn't get spring? the official report. And in hockey, they're pretty pretty tight-lipped about that stuff. I mean, we knew it was lower body, but yeah, I mean, if I had to guess, then I would have I would have said it was a sprain. We didn't get the official official word on that. Um, right. As far as Enzer goes. Okay. So he's how about Enzer? Yeah, so he's he's still out, uh, and he's somebody that they're missing. He's a guy who wins a lot of face offs, um, high energy, really good defensive player who also certainly is he was averaging almost a point a game before he let or before he was hurt. So, um, you know, he's he's valuable at both ends of the ice and uh he's an alternate captain too, so a leader. Um sort of a, a jack of all trades and a really valuable player that that they've clearly been missing and, and that they're hurting a little bit without. Um, he was a it was it was an ugly play for him when he got hurt. He got hit uh after a whistle, um pretty pretty clearly after a whistle. So um you know, it ended up that, that if I remember right, uh that um Brandon still actually came out. there had been a delayed penalty on Seattle. Seattle touches the puck, mm-hmm. Enzer gets leveled after the play and then kind of the teams converge and it ended up that Brandon still ended up getting a power play. But now Enzer's been been out for some time, you know, coming up you're on a couple weeks. Um, if I had to guess, you know, and again they said upper body injury. I and, and I don't know what the official status is um, or what the official report is, but um, if I had to guess, then I would, I would say it was probably a concussion based on um, his reaction and what's going on. But again, I, I don't know that yeah. for sure. Um, so those, you know, concussions, okay. you never you never know how long those are going to take. But tough kid, and I would I wouldn't expect him to be out too much longer.
3: Okay, so when Ezra and Watson are health are healthy. Um, what are your thoughts about their line? I mean, how, how would you rate their line to the rest of the teams in the U.S. division and even the rest of the WHL? Yeah,
7: so Seattle is fortunate. I mean, they have their top line, which, you know, kind of Walchuk scrambled, scrambles his lines a lot. Um, but their top line generally is the combination of Barzell, Kolasar, and Gropp, three NHL draftees, first, second, and third round, respectively. Um, Barzell was first. Coast, our third, drop second. Um, So those guys are as talented as any line in WHL. So Seattle's really fortunate that line of Enzer, uh, Watson, and Vulcan. um, You know, I think that that could be a a top line on a lot of teams. There last year, Enzer and Vulcan played on a line with Niles and were really defensively oriented. Um, This year, I'd say they still get the 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 matchup of the opposing team's top line, but all three are more than capable scorers too. So. Um, it gives it gives Connor Walchuk a lot of flexibility, uh, that line to, to to play them in any situation. They often kill penalties, they can play on the power play, play against the team's top line, uh, and still, you know, score a couple points here and there and there, or more than a couple points. So, you know, they're one of the better lines in the league. They're they're really, really fast, tough, gritty. Um I mean they, they have more than their fair share of skill too, so it's a line that, that uh Seattle's really fortunate to have and a lot of times, teams look at their at a, a sort of defensive line as the third line or checking line, and it's tough to call this line a checking line because of how skilled they are offensively. But um, you know, they can they can certainly play that role when necessary,
3: and they can also
7: uh, also chip in points
3: pretty well too. Right, All right. Um, has Barzell changed this year? Has he, has he become uh, more aggressive than he has been in previous years? Um, I think
7: uh, I don't know. If- I wanna I would say he's more aggressive. Um going going to New York Islanders camp, I think, after being drafted helped a lot. Um being able to play with those guys. He when he came back he really talked about just this this hunger that he had to 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 not only be, you know, a great player individually, but to take his team really far. He roomed uh your his roommate at New York Islanders camp was Michael Del Cole, who actually won a Memorial Cup last year and so Barzell kept talking about how much respect he saw Dal Cole get from, you know, around the league just from having won this this
4: uh,
7: this championship as a junior. So you wouldn't normally think that that would translate or carry over, but, um, you know, I think that that's something that's really important to him. He's he's now 18. It's a lot of times the year that we see players really uh, break out and set themselves apart by a wide margin. He's always had the skill. We've known that. Um, last year he was on track to have a really great year, um, and obviously the injury threw those things, threw those plans out the window, but, um, he's a player that is, is supremely talented as talented as anyone, uh, as talented as anyone in the league. And, uh, you know, can com, combine the facts that, uh, he, he's a year older. Um, so just sort of the natural development as well as going to Islanders camp, learning from guys like John Tavares, one of the best in the world, um, skating with, um, professionals, you know, all those things that kind of helped his game really get taken to the next level. And, uh, it, it's going to be pretty exciting to see how he continues to, to carry out this year. We see, a highlight real play from the seems every night and uh it, he makes every game every time he's on the ice every time he has the puck it's exciting
3: right right um is the team coming any closer to settling on a number one goalie
7: um that's a that's a really good question and i think that uh early in the season Flodell has has kind of been the better goalie it's hard to argue that um just based on his numbers and, and what he was able to do early in the season. Um, and so a lot of teams I hear, a lot of people I think were calling for him to be, you know, to, to really set himself as the number one guy. Um, and especially after Berman, Berman was a net for both of those, uh, those those late game losses that they had early on the road trip. So that had some fuel to the fire that, that he needs to, to take a, a step back. But, um, you know, I, I guess to answer your question, Flo Dell has, has been the better goalie. Um, he, he had a, a rough game. He has actually pulled against Lethbridge. So um, they're, they're, it's still definitely not established. I'd say he's he's the front runner if the team were to name a number one goalie, but I don't think they're anywhere close to, you know, saying that this guy's going to be our starter and, and the other guy is going to be the clear-cut backup. I don't think that that's, that's something that's going to be coming here uh, anytime really soon.
3: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um any players on Thunderbirds that have surprised you this year? Not uh, surprising surprise me.
7: So um one player who's, who's really stepped up and we saw skill last year, um, but things kind of I mean I mean he's an he's an important spoiler alert, so uh Alexander True. Um he's a player who big, tall, lanky guy. There's always an adjustment for those international players coming over. Um so last year we saw some glimpses. Uh he seemed to have started he was starting to put things together towards the end of the year before he was hurt. Um, I think he, if I remember right, he broke his arm or his wrist or something like that. Um, so he's a player who, who has consistently been, been very good this year. He's on the top power play unit. He's winning face-offs, um, especially with ends out. He's become even more valuable. So he's been a really good player and a healthy surprise. One player that I really like, and I've been raving about this season is Matthew Wedman. who's a 16 year old rookie. Um, he's been uh, he's averaging a half a point per game, but in his first few games, he was, he was at, hovering right around that point per game pace. Um, but he's someone who, who I've been really, really impressed with by his vision and skill. He's got good size as a 16-year-old. And uh, one thing that, you know, again, doesn't show up on the score sheet a lot uh, for, for WHL teams are that you don't don't pay as much attention to, he wins a lot of face-offs. He's, he's really good in the circle. And I think when he was drafted, um, he was thought of, likely as a wing, uh, and they've they put him at center, and, and he's done exceptionally well on face-offs. And um, I don't think that Steve Conowalczyk is uncomfortable with him late in games, like you see a lot a lot of times out of fourth-line guys, 16-year-old guys. So um, he's a player that I expect to, to continue to improve and, and do really well. And uh, he's 16, so, again, he doesn't get um, as much playing time as, as some of the more veteran guys. But uh, in coming years, I think he's going to be a real bright spot for this team.
3: Cool, cool. Uh, so, in the last week, uh, the Thunderbirds announced kind of an exciting night for the hockey community in Seattle. Uh, I, I believe it's going to be December fifth, Metropolitan Night, um, where they where they pay homage to the Seattle Metropolitans. Um, how exciting and fun is that night going to be? That's
7: uh, it's it's awesome. I was pretty pretty excited to hear that they were doing something like that, and I mean paying homage. You know, we, we've we had a lot of talk here lately over the past, you know, couple of years, mo, you know, even more so over the past six or eight months about getting an, H, an NHL team here. And so um, this is paying homage to Seattle's uh, original professional team that was the first American team to win a Stanley Cup. Um, it's really exciting. They're going to have lots of really cool memorabilia. Um, it's it's a really cool thing for the hockey community in Seattle. And um, I think the, the coolest thing and the thing that surprised me most is that the actual Stanley Cup is going to be here Um you know it's it's not yeah, easy to get awesome. that uh to, yeah yeah it's not it's not easy to get that in the building so uh you know I'm hoping that I can uh, <laughs> that I can get a picture myself with it I saw I got to see it at the the draft last summer and um but you know it's 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 pretty awesome how, how much they're putting into this and um you know I I mean the mayor officially declared December 7th uh Paladin's day so it's pretty cool to see hockey professional hockey you know hopefully future NHL hockey really starting to to become a, hopefully a tangible thing here and, and the interest in it becoming tangible at a night like this.
6: Yeah.
3: It's, it's going to be see- cool to see those jerseys actually out on the ice. Um, I guess you call it like a throwback um, game almost. Uh, but th- I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be a great event um and speaking of the hockey community um early in the year it came out that the the angry beaver was in a bit of trouble financially and the community kind of rallied around it and it seems like they're doing a little better now how important is a place like the angry beaver to hockey in seattle
7: yeah i mean i i love the angry beaver i you know i i wish i could make it there more during the regular season again but um thunderbirds keep me pretty busy um, but during the playoffs, I'm, I'm there for every Blackhawks game. It's huge. It's it's really cool to go there. The number of people I've met, I've made a, a lot of really great friends here um, just by going to the Angry Beaver and, uh, you know, talking hockey with people who, who know what they're talking about. I think it's a really great establishment. Um, the owner's guy is Ken. He's a good friend of mine. He's from Toronto. He loves hockey. He loves trying to build up a local community. And you're right, they, they were struggling. And I think that for a long time sort of the, the summer has – been a struggle for them because they're so focused on hockey and so they've taken a lot of steps to to change that um and you know they have a, a great new chef there and a, a new menu which is exciting for for a patron like myself um but it's again it's really cool they do a lot of events to you know talk about the NHL in Seattle talk about just all kinds of hockey in Seattle and it's just uh, it's it's a really great place for people to come together and watch hockey and having that sort of establishment i mean when i was in college here at UW and uh there, there wasn't the angry beaver i was you know finding bars and having to go up and ask if they could change it to nhl hockey and usually there might be you know one other table in the place and i'd have to kind of drag my friends along just so i'd have some company <clears throat> but now yeah. you know i could if, if if necessary i could go to the angry beaver by myself and probably sit with a table of blackhawk fans and have a good time you know now there's enough people that i don't really have to, to worry about that but um it's it's a great it's it's a great gathering place. It's a it's a lot of fun there. It's always um, it's always high energy, and you know they got the goal horns going off and people cheering and and uh, you know crying if their team loses. It's
3: a uh, it's it's a real hockey bar. I think it's a lot of fun. Right. Okay, Tim. Well, I I want to thank you for coming on with coming on with us again, and um, hopefully we can call on you later in the season and get some more input from you.
7: Yeah, yeah. Thanks again for having me. Uh, always happy to be on and, and talk to you. All
3: right, then. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Paul. Right.
1: When America needed a cheer, the world watched the impossible dream come true. salutes the 1980 USA gold medal hockey team here in their new Volkswagen Vanagon, the greatest hockey team in the world get your free team photo and see the full line of Volkswagens at your local Volkswagen dealers
0: you know what the NHL stands for? Non-stop hockey love. Hockey love. Like when the thrashers score a goal and those giant bird heads shoot flames twenty feet out of their mouth. You can feel the warmth fall over you.
1: Can you feel that's hockey love? The hockey love.
0: Or when a player is sent to the penalty box to think about the wrong he has done. That is the league version of sending a kid to a timeout. Done with tough hockey love. Sometimes in between periods, they have little tight hockey. Little kids playing hockey in their little thrashes uniform. They try so hard, and their parents are so proud, so full of hockey love. I'm talking about
1: hockey
0: love! I wish I could go out there and play against them. I bet I could kick some ass. <laughs> All right.
1: Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. Drop! Pop. 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 Take a seat, because you've just been sent to the sin bin with your host, Paul Rogers, who is a college graduate. Went to Princeton. We're all Eastern, weren't you, Ned? That's what it said in the yearbook,
2: Jim. Uh
3: huh. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the final segment of tonight's episode of the Seattle Send-In. I am your host, Paul Rogers, and my host with me here is Otto Rogers. Otto, you still there? I am still here, Paul. You were still here. All right. So uh, we just had. Uh, uh, couple of good interviews going there uh we had Brandon Rivers covering the winterhawks for us, and uh Tim Pogolski and that was a pre recorded interview from sunday by the way uh so Tim talking about the w h l in general uh talking about how the season's going for for the thunderbirds um so what are your thoughts from either one of these interviews right now i don't we've had a lot to lot to process tonight,
6: yeah, you know it's just uh from both Brandon and Tim, you know, the especially in Portland, important Seattle, you know, two really talented teams, a lot of NHL, uh, prospects, uh, Brandon mentioned that, um, um, several of their players on their team have already been drafted by the NHL. And, and we kind of know what, and Tim mentioned how Seattle's had, you know, their first mind or three picks from the first three draft uh, rounds, uh, uh, you know of the NHL draft, so uh, a lot of talent in Seattle a lot of talent in Portland, and it's just it's going to be
3: interesting to see to see how it plays out. Right, right. And I, you know, uh, you and I were talking off the air earlier today about who all was, uh, which who all of our writers is planning on going to the uh, Metropolitan's game, and I'm really going to try to go. i I don't know if I'm going to be able to pull it off or not because it's hard to get over there from. Uh, you know, with my, with my schedule. But, uh, I, I think that's going to be a really fun event and I, I would love to see those jerseys out there on the ice. Um, so I'm hoping I get to go and I hope I'm hoping I get to meet some of the other writers in person for the first time. I haven't even met you in person yet.
6: (laughs) I know it's been, we've been doing this thing for, for more than a year, but we've known each other through Sonic's rising and, and that community for a long time. But, uh, you know what? That's gonna be a special night, and
0: uh, yeah, um,
6: we're gonna try to have we're gonna try to have Paul on, the guy who kind of organized, uh, the guy who, who uh, heads up Seattle Metropolitans uh, the website, and he kind of organized all this. So um, it's you know it's gonna be yeah. a special night. It's, it's not just for WHL fans. It's not you know it's just, if you're a hockey fan, you gotta get into that building. You know what I'm saying?
3: Right. If you're a hockey fan. Right.
6: You want to be there that night.
3: Right. I I agree. I I really want to go. Um, And so I'm going to try and figure out how to make it happen, but I I can't guarantee it. Um, And then one political note to close the show out with, I I don't really – it's not really a fun conversation, but uh, with the city council um, election from last week, there are two races still yet – they're really yet to be decided. That is uh, the one with the seat involving Bruce Harrell. Um, and he is, uh, you know, he's in the fight for his life to keep his seat. Uh, It it looks like he's trending upwards, so it looks like he's going to hang on to that. Thank God. Uh, He's one of our main arena proponents uh, on the council, so we really need to keep him. And then there is the uh, between Herbold uh, and what was the other? Braddock. Braddock. Correct. Yes. Braddock. Yeah. And so uh Braddock we know is a yes vote on the arena, uh last I heard. Yeah. And her bold um is her, her position on the arena is in doubt. We really don't know how she's gonna go, although uh you you've told me that she uh had a particular leaning having to do with Tequila. What what have you heard about her uh in regards well, this, to her I, arena position?
6: This was directly from her uh her campaign page. Now correct me if I'm wrong, but this was directly from her campaign pledge where um, you know she 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 suggested Tequila um due to the fact that um that was gonna be um I think her concerns were with, with, with the port and Tequila was gonna be you know, there's gonna be no public dollars in Tequila. So yeah. um I yeah. know it's you know, I know it's been mentioned that she she would support the original um, you know the original vote, but she believes that it was a bad deal and so and that's in her words so that's not us right you know trying to
3: well maybe she know, could be swayed so um, so. maybe she could be swayed it's hard to say uh, but um, anyway that's the situation so we got those two races uh, yet to be decided and it sounds like they're so close they might go to a recount. Um, so we may be a while before we really know. Um, you know, I, I've seen it speculated that if the current trends uh continue we could be looking at Burgess, O'Brien, Johnson, Harrell, Gonzalez, Juarez, Bagshaw, Sawant, and Herbold. Uh and yeah. if that's the case, that that would give us basically uh six council people in favor, which is good. So, um, yeah. you know, as much as we'd rather I see Braddock win, um, I don't think it's going to be the death knell if she loses. No, I think
6: I think the the, the bigger concern for for the arena would have been if uh, Johnson lost to Maddox. If that would have happened, then uh-huh. you would have had uh, Herbold and, and Maddox, and then Swant, and then. With backsaw kind of leaning, I mean, you would, it would have been like a five-four. I mean, it would have been tough, right? So, um, yeah, if could, it would have been. If Harold could keep it on, keep his lead. Then I think, I think we're okay. But no, yeah,
3: yeah, and, and so it's hard to say. You never know what's going to happen. But um if if things shake out the way that it looks like they're going to. um I'm trying to remember what the vote count was before. I want to say it was six to two to one abstention or something like that. Right, um, like that. And we, we would essentially be at the same, uh, level there. So, um, if we had lost Harold and maybe one other, uh, I think we could have that bare knuckled fight that, uh, that Jeff Baker was warning, warning us about. Um, uh, right. but if, if things go the way they look like they're going, I think we're gonna be okay. Um it's yeah, just I a mean, matter of uh getting those votes to happen.
6: Definitely.
3: So Okay Otto, um this is this episode tonight has gone a little longer than than I was uh anticipating, but that's okay. Extra hockey. Yeah, um and no problem so with that. we yeah, we're gonna we're gonna bring it to the to a close though and uh we will talk to you guys a week from now. And so, Otto, thanks for coming on. I want to thank uh, Brandon Rivers for joining us. Uh, I want to thank um, Tim Pagolski for joining us. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in to listen to us. It wouldn't be worth doing if nobody listened. So talk to you guys next week.
1: Thanks for joining us in the Sin Bin with Paul Rogers.